0: Who's got it better than us? Nobody! Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Today, beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News joins us on our post-mortem game day segment with her thoughts on what happened in South Bend on Saturday night. Before she joins us, my view from Section 17. Yogi Berra once said it was like deja vu all over again. And so it was on Saturday night. But first, let me say this. I'm not sure if our game plan was bad for Notre Dame. I believe Jim and staff thought the defense would control the game and give the offense time to get it together. Well, we got down two scores almost immediately, and that in many ways changed the game plan. Give Notre Dame credit, though. They came out and attacked us, especially downfield, and had success. Here are some of my bullet point takeaways from Saturday night. The offensive line is a huge question mark. Unless Notre Dame's front was just that good, and part of me is hoping that was the case. I like what we saw from Shea Patterson, Sure, he made a couple of mistakes, but to say he was operating under duress would be an understatement. I also like what we saw from Dylan McCaffrey in relief. I'm not sure why we didn't attack downfield more, especially earlier. Took so long for plays to get into Patterson, which was concerning the entire night. Clock management in general, not good the entire game, but especially late. The defense, I am not worried. I didn't like the first two series, but we got it together, especially in the second half. Got to clean up on the stupid penalties, though. Special teams play, Will Hart's punting was pretty good. Ambry Thomas gives us some punch on kickoff returns. Have to fix the holder issues on field goal attempts, though. Other than the botched snap, uh, Will Hart struggled with placement on the PATs, too, so got to get that fixed. I suppose I could go on and on, but I will stop right there. You have read and heard and watched television and seen enough of analysis and postmortems since Saturday night, I'm sure. Angelique Chingellos has been on the Michigan beat for a long time now, and her observations as to what's going on with Michigan football are usually on the mark. We recorded this segment while she was driving to the presser on Monday, so I apologize for the shaky quality of the audio at some points. This time of year, you have to record when people have a free minute, even when it's in a car. She joins us next on game day here on the Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Bird. With us on our game day segment today, as we unfortunately do our post-mortem on what happened Saturday night in South Bend, is beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News on her way to Jim's Monday presser. Welcome to the show, Angelique.
1: To the post-mortem presser, I uh, guess, is yeah. what
0: we could call it. Uh, yeah, it'll be
1: interesting to see how he reacts, because sometimes you don't know. Sometimes he's he is a little bit more forthcoming after a loss, and sometimes sometimes he's not he stares a lot so we'll see which which gym we
0: get today well looking back on saturday angelique i mean where mm-hmm. to begin uh given all the preparation time for the opener for notre dame how can you explain what many people think was a team not prepared for that game
1: yeah i mean that was exactly what i wrote in my my uh, running, uh game story and i'm watching this game is it reminded me of watching the bowl game, where I'm like, well, they had a month to prepare for that bowl game, and I thought they they looked kind of like that, like like a little uh, deer in the headlights, and what do we do now? And and like I think I think the problem, I think we all know, the last few years stems from a, a very porous, um, just not very good offensive line, and I think that's where it starts. Uh, in the first half, it started with the defense. And here you thought this defense was going to give a new quarterback Shea Patterson, you know, some time to get his his feet wet, playing for his new team, getting uh, you know he hadn't played since the seventh game last season, and I fully expected to see the Mich- the Michigan defense three and out, three and out, mm-hmm. and. That's
0: certainly not what we saw. Well, clock management, another uh, hot button during the game, uh, the entire game, but specifically late, was puzzling to, I think, all of us. I was going back and forth between uh, Jim and Dan on the radio and then the TV coverage, and Doug Flutie said, I don't get it. There doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency with this Michigan offense, and at that time we were down two touchdowns. They were taking way too much time in between plays, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: I thought so. And I'm not sure how you explain that. I really don't. I'm not, you know, I, I, I agree with you on the clock management. Especially there was that red zone play where it's like, I think, yeah, they lost about 10 seconds. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, you know, is this a function? And I know we'll talk about it, but is this a function of not having an offensive coordinator? Is this a function? I mean, who's who's doing this? I guess I still don't know. Ultimately, it's got to be Jim with the final stamp, but and I think that's where the the blame goes for this is is Jim Harbaugh. But I mean, I I think it's 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 really hard to dissect and diagnose because it's hard to know who's doing what. And I think the blame for the time management has to go on Jim Harbaugh. And I, I this is not, but what we saw Saturday night is not new. I mean, there have been issues with his time management th- during his three previous seasons. So. Um, I think it's something, you know, he's talked about looking and analyzing himself and what he needs to do better, and that's certainly a good starting place.
0: Well, and I know as we're just touching on the time management thing, uh, it's a topic Jim rolls his eyes at, as you know, doesn't like to talk about it. Yes. But not having an offensive coordinator. Now, just watching that game, it seemed like it was taking a long time to get plays into Patterson, and I mean from the get-go. You could see him standing yeah. in the huddle with that wrist you know, poised, looking at the plays And just looking over at the sidelines, which made me wonder, how many people are in on this chain of calling the plays? And Doug Flutie again mentioned that fact several times on TV. He said it seems like there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I've been harping on this OC thing for a while. And and Jim did roll his eyes at me in Chicago when I asked him about it. And he said he's tired of trying to explain it to me. And, you know, and I pointed out, I understood the concept, but I didn't understand it. Like, why? Why is this a good thing? And, you know, he stresses the collaborative process. Okay, the collaborative process is great when you're game planning. It's not, you can't have three or four people making the decisions in real time. I, I mean, there has to be, in my mind, a designated offensive coordinator who is making those decisions with the head coach having the final say, of course. I mean, you know, you can say, no, 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 I don't want this, I want this. And that's fine. But, you know, is is Pep making a pass play call? Is Ed Warner, I mean, you know, who's doing what? And and I think that I've always thought he had to make a decision on this. And he's going to be stubborn and won't do it because he says he's, he has seen it succeed. But uh, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen last year. That was a big issue. It's so far seems to be an issue again this year and, and I think it's something that, that Harbaugh needs to, to consider and consider very quickly. And I, I mean I would I think Jim McIlwain's a guy who who could be a very good offensive coordinator, especially with a quarterback like Shay Patterson. I think he's got experience there and but that would be my decision, but you know, I'm just gonna get an eye roll so i guess i should stop stop talking
0: (laughs) well it's only one game i know we keep saying that but you know once again angelique the offensive line especially the tackles just they just struggled mightily
1: oh my goodness and and just to go to your point about one game yes it is one game but it is i felt like this team set everybody up for and made this game Really important. I mean, they were saying this is gonna, this is gonna show people where we are and how far we've come. And and I think that, that you know fans have expectations, but I think the the players also encouraged those expectations. So yes, one game, but it was an important game, and um, it was going to be indicative of where this team needs to improve. And and boy, it really did give a a very good look at 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 the the issues and what needs to be done immediately and tackles are our big 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 part of it uh, the interior wasn't great either though mike i mean i yeah. but i think that there was some glaring stuff uh at the tackles and and you know they're, they're i you know what are they going to do i mean do you bring in the james hudson i i mean i think you've got to keep tweaking i know that's not ideal for an offensive line you want to get five guys and and keep going but it's uh i think you need to to make a change right away and and find the five that that work well but i mean ruiz had some issues here and there when you had some issues it, it was across the board and uh but i i think that they've got to make some decisions i mean maybe you bring spinellis in at right guard i mean he was having he was in a in a pretty uh, thick competition with Owen you so i mean you just got to find something that works better than this it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be great, but it's got to be better than, than what we saw Saturday night.
0: Well, a lot of media, especially uh, from a national perspective Sunday, were writing that the offense has no imagination, that it's it's vanilla mm-hmm. from from a play-calling mm-hmm. perspective and even a style. And I'm not sure after one week if I can totally buy into that because you and I talked about this before we started taping. I'm beginning to think that game plan was, was maybe not a, a bad game plan it was based out of necessity, thinking the defense was going to be in charge and the offense could uh, be—I don't know—I guess vanilla. I hate that term, but yeah, they, they maybe just a little
1: conservative. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, and I think when you got down those two scores, uh, that really threw things out of whack. Oh,
1: totally, and and I agree. I mean, I I have no I have no problem if the game plan was to, to ease Shea in this offensive line into the flow of a game like this big stage you know noisy everything that, that we all saw but yeah i mean not having the defensive uh, showing early definitely hurt but um i, I will say i mean I, I really thought the way they opened the second half michigan opened the second half was how they would open the, the game mm-hmm. i mean i really thought that they would make a statement from the get-go from the first play i, I mean i envisioned it as oh yeah, Patterson's going to go deep. You know, I thought you know hit, hit somebody deep. I didn't know Nico Collins, but that kind of play and you know that fires up a, a team and and Shea certainly is capable of doing that. And sometimes I I, I just feel like is there it's like they, there's a lack of trust sometimes with the offensive players. And sometimes I think you need to let them play. And I feel like you know a little bit like they you know they've got the reins on them a little bit. And and you know I think. I think going forward, you've got to let Shea do his thing. And if that means a little more hurry up, no huddle, I think that's what they have to implement. But I would agree with the, uh, you know, I don't want to say vanilla either, but I would agree with the unimaginative, unimaginative play calling. And, uh, is that Pep Hamilton? It might be. Uh, I just think you've got to look very hard at, at the talent you have. And, and look, I know Tariq blacks out, but he's one player and they have other receivers. And you just got to make things happen and involve. There was Chris Evans. I don't know where he was in the first half. People have asked me. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you've got to get these guys more involved. And, um, and and just, yeah, I thought the play calling was not great, but I haven't thought that for a while either.
0: Well, one thing I kept wondering, watching, is why aren't we taking at least some shots downfield and mm-hmm. backing that D off? And I mean, Notre Dame right. did it and worked, and I'll tell you what, they were bringing it against us, but Michigan's defense was coming after Wimbush. He still made the plays. He still went downfield. Yes,
1: yes. You know, Mike, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, was it the Penn State game last year, McSorley, you know, some of those 50-50 balls, the jump balls, he just had receivers who went up and got the ball. And, and I'm not saying that was every time it sorely threw, but it felt like that a little bit watching watching those plays Saturday night. And, and they did have big receivers, 6'4", close six 6'5". But, you know, Michigan's got big guys too. I mean, I, I really thought Zach Gentry would be a bigger factor um, because I think you know, with his size and, you know, he can be a, a mismatch issue. Nico Collins is, is sizable. Give these guys a chance. And, um, yeah, I totally agree with that that assessment by you because I I was wondering where that that deep threat was. And, again, you know, opening play 52 yards in the second half, I thought, well, okay, that's what I thought they'd be showing a little bit more of because they do have the weapons. But, you know, I guess you can argue, well, Shea didn't have much time. To, to throw the protection wasn't there well yeah he can make it happen i, I think that we've, we saw signs of that and uh, they've got to take advantage of that
0: no absolutely i think we've got to give that offense give those players a chance to make the plays and over on defense though uh as aggressive as this defense was and is going to be we know moving forward the rest of the year they did not make big plays for his turnovers dropped an interception the touchdown in the uh in the second quarter where uh, hawkins at least knock it down i mean he he was in position yes. that that's what i'm talking about about making plays we just on both sides uh don't seem to be able to do that right now
1: no and the penalties i mean those were glaring in the first half obviously i mean Third down conversions and the penalties on third down in the first half. I, I thought, well, where, where is this defense? What where their where's their head right now? And um, you know they did get it together, but you know I I I have the sense of the defense last year late in games when they were giving up big plays because that is you know that that's what you're going to get with Don Brown. He's always going to go for it. He's always going to go. He's always going to blitz. He's always going to come hard at the quarterback and go after the ball, but um, you know, I thought I at that point last year it was because the offense wasn't giving them a break and and they were not getting breathers and and yes, you know when you're that tired of a defense, you're going to give up plays. Well, this was the start of the game and there so there's no excuse there. And um, you know, I, I think that Don Brown, like every coach, he can be stubborn too. But I thought that they made some adjustments and and I thought that was evident. I mean, losing Matellis, that was. That was that was kind of a big deal at that point too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a critical critical point in, the, in that drive, and um, I just there was just so much bad. I mean, we haven't even talked about special teams. There was the high, but there was also the uh, the, the uh, problem with the um, with the snap, the hold.
0: With us on our game day segment slash postmortem of the Notre Dame game is uh, Angelique Shingletonis from the Detroit News. Angelique Porsche Patterson. He he ran for his life all day, and he's mobile. And he <laughs> still had to uh, get out of there and take off. He still did some good things, considering the pressure he was under. There's there were some good signs.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think quarterback was an issue, Mike. And I know people. Uh, I've seen people on Twitter, I think from other teams, saying, "Oh, yeah, I thought uh, there was just a quarterback away." Well, I think he is really good, and I think that's why they have to adjust this offense more and. That was something that once he got cleared in April and and, uh, I was covering them in Paris and I talked to one of the coaches and the one, the last thing he said to me as he walked away is I hope that we understand we have to shape this offense a bit more around Shea versus fitting Shea into this offense. And, and I think that's, that's important. And because he can do things, he does have the tools. I thought he showed, a gutsy performance late in the game when he came back from cramps and um, you know, that's painful when your legs are like that and he couldn't walk and he comes back and they have a chance to tie or win the game. A quarterback can only do so much when an offensive line is just, it's just breaking apart like it did. And so they've got to make an adjustment very quickly. And I know that these next couple games will make the offense look healthier, but But it is when they have to start experimenting with what's really going to work when they get into that part of that schedule that's just going to get tougher and tougher.
0: Well, and after the game, you know, I was sitting there thinking, where did it go south uh, on a Saturday night? And I I really, there are only two questions uh, that I had, and I can't answer them until later in the season. Number one was, is Notre Dame really that good? Number two, Mm -hmm. is our offensive line just not good at all? And I'm hoping the answer is Notre Dame was really good. Because if they aren't, it's going to be another long season.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a very fair question. Because I didn't think they were going to be that good. I thought maybe they were a little overrated going into the season. And I wasn't sure about Wimbush. And, um, you know, he looked better than he did last year. I mean, they, they know how to play to his strengths, too. But, you yeah, know, I mean, I think they're good. I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm really saying this is a great Notre Dame team. But uh, their defense played well. And uh, I think the offense line is it's an issue i mean it's 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 going to be an issue and it's not going to be a quick fix and ed warner wasn't going to be able to turn it around you know in how many months has it been eight months he did give them a big dose of confidence and i thought that was a good starting place for these guys and i'm not saying it isn't and i'm not saying they can't turn it around but uh, clearly there are some glaring deficiencies and they've just got to figure out which piece. Of, I mean, I think you've tried younger guys. I mean, they have recruited some talented younger linemen. And, yes, you know, so I know experience is everything, but maybe this is where you just got to say let's take a chance and see what can, a, what can say, a James Hudson do here. Because I, I, I don't think it's going to be worse, to be yeah. honest.
0: Well, you know, you've been on the beat long enough, and I've been watching it long <laughs> enough to know uh, – Fans push the panic button after a performance like Saturday night's because it seems like it's uh, been going on now for a while. But you really can't understand the growing sense of frustration, can't you?
1: Oh my goodness! I mean, it's been it's been building for ten years, it feels like. You know, know, there were some you know some moments of uh, some high moments, but this many years without a win on the road against the ring team. Um, you know, you have a team that's hyped and hyped and hyped, and a coach that, that draws attention, and a, and a coach that is not entirely popular on the national level with media, so you know, he's going to get poked and poked a little bit more, in Michigan is always under the microscope, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's something to be proud of, I'm, I'm sure, if you're a Michigan alum, that mm-hmm. people care so much, but yeah, I mean, I certainly knew the meltdown would be coming, and uh, and it's Again, I go back to expectations were very high and not because, you know, I'm saying oh, I think they're going to be a 10-2 team because I, you know, I don't get to see practice. I'm basing it on, on the confidence level. I'm reading from the players and the and the coaches. And, and I got to tell you, I, I really felt in the last couple, well, last week and a half, just because it was getting repetitive how players were talking about the offensive, offensive line, that it felt like they all had a script. And I felt that early on when they were asked about Shea Patterson, they all said the same things and, and they weren't inaccurate, but they were all saying the same things. And then the same things about the offensive line. Oh yeah. Oh, they're better. They've they just taken a huge step. And I thought, Hmm, you know, maybe this is being a little deceptive. And, uh, but at the same time, they were talking themselves up and talking about how big this game was at Notre Dame. And, how the world's going to see who they are. And, you know, you got to be careful with that, too. Mm-hmm. And even though you want to project confidence, you have to also understand that you are you are changing the balance of expectations. And, and it's, you know, that, that's tough to live up to when you know that there are still deficiencies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the off-season when friends, family, listeners would ask me, if I thought this was Michigan's year, my answer always was and is, especially after Saturday night. Are you kidding me? With this <laughs> schedule, I think 10-2 would be great. That's what I thought coming in. You know, but after Saturday night, I, I can easily see another 8-4 and four record based on that sure. performance. And I'm leaning towards 8-4, and four, actually. Uh, I don't want it to be, but I'm leaning that way. That was just, on, on so many levels, a troubling performance, Angelique.
1: It was, and, and you know, I hate that doing preseason picks because mm-hmm. you don't know what a team looks like. And and I always say, you know, I mean, I, I'm like this with rankings. I've always been this way. Mid-October is when they should start because that's when you really get a legitimate sense of, of who these teams are and how good they are. And um, and I do tell myself as I'm doing it, look, you, you know, this could, be, this could be a four or five loss team when you look at that schedule. Or if, if uh, what do Mojo call, Shea Patterson, the Shavier the savior, <laughs> get some protection, yeah, maybe they can win these games that that they've struggled to win. And and I'm talking about the ones on the road. I mean, Northwestern on the road I always thought would be a tough game, and I I really think that even more so. And and you've got Michigan State, Ohio State on the road, and then you've got got big games against Wisconsin and Penn State at home, probably at night. But, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely really waffled with that. Uh, you know, waffled when I was making those picks, and I thought, well, okay. I, th- I think that um, I'm believing a little bit the the offensive line hype, and I've seen that the Ben Herbert changes in their body types, and they all seem very confident. So, I, you know, I I tip the, tip the scales to ten wins right now. I would I would say that's not likely.
0: Well, you and I talked about this before we started taping, but the post game presser, and uh, I was mentioning mm-hmm. that you know, in in Bo's book that Mitch Album wrote. Bo made mention that postgame pressers were important on a lot of levels uh, to talk to the media, but one of the really most important aspects of a postgame presser is to send a message to your team because they're going to read it, they're going to see it, and you want them to know what your head coach thinks. So given that, and again, I was exhausted watching the presser. I watched it twice after the game. I don't know why I do that to myself, but wow. I, I watched it, and Jim's message to me seemed that he was shell shocked. He, I know we've seen it before, but he just looked even more so after uh, yeah. after the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he knew he had to face some questions, and, and he didn't answer a lot. I think he watched it twice. I don't think he gave much much intel on on what he thought went wrong, and you know, he just kept saying, "This is the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning, not the end." And and I think Karan Higgin had come in before that and said something similar, like, um, "You know, this is." You can't judge this team on this game. And, um, I, I mean, I, you know, I think when you watch that Amazon series mm-hmm. from last season also, Mike, I mean, I don't, I don't think you see a Jim Harbaugh, pardon me. Who's a really fiery, fiery guy. I and mean, he's not going to go in there like Don Brown and do what Don Brown says. Even his dad, I mean, Jack Harbaugh is a fiery guy when he speaks and that's not Harbaugh style and even last year, after the will Spade injury at, at Purdue, and he was Lee was livid about the locker room situations. I mean, he went on for ten minutes about that, but he never raised his voice. He never looks angry. He just gets his point across. And I think that I expected him to, you know, you know, I can't say I expected him to be a different way because I've seen him now for going into four years mm-hmm. how he reacts. But I I think maybe people want to see a little more fire and a little more pound the uh, podium a little bit and say, look, you know, I know that changes have to be made, but you're not going to get that from him. And he's not going to give you what you want to hear because he thinks that he's he's got this under control. And maybe he does. I'm not saying, I'm not questioning him, but I'm trying to understand why he does come into post game situations like that and and after a loss. And, And even today, it'll be interesting to see, how he reacts a few days later when he's, he's taking questions today. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's just uh, – that's not his style, and, and I agree. I, I mean, he looked a little befuddled. Like, I have mm-hmm. no idea. And, and Chase, one of his team, too, and said, you know, I, I, I walked in the locker room and I still don't know what what happened and why why we lost. He, he didn't think <laughs> that Notre Dame did anything particularly outstanding, and he just – I think they were a little like, what just happened?
0: Well, this week, uh, Tim Lester brings his Broncos into the big house for the opener. Not much time to think about Saturday night now. You have to forget it, actually. And I'd mm-hmm. like to think we can roll these guys, but I'm not so sure right now, Angelique, even though their defense looked like a, a sieve against Syracuse uh, over the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a game they do get healthy. I mean, I, I mean, Michigan is healthy in terms of attitude and, and with a win. I think, what is it? Uh, I think they're 25 point uh, favorites, something like that. And, you know, I, I know you're right. You know, how is this team psychologically after that game? And, and will they try to? hard? Will they do the, you know, you, you, there are a lot of questions, but I've got to believe home opener, he's going to have them forgetting about that game. Harbaugh will and the, and the position coaches. And um, I've got to believe he's going to make some changes. And I think that will uh, probably make Shea Patterson a little more comfortable. Knowing that maybe he'll have a different line to play in back up, but um, yeah, I know you're worried about, about Western, but I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think this is a game where Michigan gets the win and puts up some decent stats. But again, I, you know, you have to caution people not to read too much into that either. And even next week, the week after, and uh, just know that they're they've got to keep piecing this puzzle. And this is where you start with a game like this. And you don't you don't let up, I and mean, we saw some interesting games in the in the season openers last week, and uh, this is week two now. So I, I you know I don't think teams get surprised as much, but you know will there be a hangover from Notre Dame? Probably, but um, I, I think that they realize they can shake it off and and beat a team like Western.
0: Well, last question for you, Angelique, as you're uh, uh, I'm sure getting close to the presser now, but you know based on Saturday night's performance, and we sort of touched on this a bit earlier, but has it changed your perception of this team, uh, or what you think it can accomplish this year?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I really again, I was basing it on whatever I was hearing because we don't get to see practice. And uh, you know, I heard I heard good things about Shay in practice. I heard good things about Rashawn and Chase, and, and I think that they, you know, I think the defense is going to be fine. I really do. Uh, I think they are gonna. There's gonna be spells of giving up big plays because that's what happens in the Don Brown defense. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just not. Everything starts with an offensive line in my mind, and I think with most people. Um, and it's you know one game is not gonna give you all the answers, but it sure gave a, a very good indication that the offensive line is still an issue and will continue to be an issue. And uh, I think that's going to be the difference with a couple of games I thought would be wins. Uh, I, I think now are probably gonna to be tougher to get those wins because of this offensive line until unless they can find a couple pieces that they can they can insert that'll make a difference. I, I don't think it's gonna be that big of a difference. But um, or they change how they how they run this offense. And and I think that's probably the better option. And you've got to you gotta to play to Shea Patterson's skills and what he does best and um, depart a little bit more from, from what Jim Harbaugh does and be a little more creative and if they do those things then I think yeah they, they stand a chance to get those wins that I thought they'd have but right now the way it is hmm, no I mean I think you're looking more at, at four losses.
0: Well Weather's on our game day segment this week has been beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News and as we said a couple of times she's on her way to Jim's Monday presser so we look forward to seeing what you uh, have to say in the Detroit News on that and uh, the rest of uh, your coverage during the week, Angelique, always a pleasure. We thank you for your time, and we look forward to that next visit.
1: It's always my pleasure, Mike. Thank you for having me
0: on. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's maze in Brew. On Quick Hits today, this won't come as much of a surprise to you, but we didn't get much from Jim's Monday presser. He said there were no injuries to report. Thought the targeting call on Josh Metellus was close. Said Shea performed well. The offensive line's pass blocking was better in his view. Liked the burst Ambry Thomas provides on kickoff returns, but said there was much work that needed to be done, and on that point, we all agree. We open as a 25-point favorite over Western Michigan. The Broncos lost to Syracuse at home in the opener and look like they have some defensive issues. On offense, they showed some big playability, and they do have some talented quarterback and the skill positions. I'm sure Coach Tim Lester will come into the big house on Saturday with a go-for-it attitude, and he should. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll get the Broncos' view of Saturday's in-state clash. Western radio play-by-play voice Robin Hook will be my guest, so I hope you'll join us for that. Don't forget our free show apps are available in the Google and iTunes stores, and you can hear the show on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. I know we're disappointed by what we saw on Saturday night, but the team will shake it off because they have to, and eventually we must too. It might take us a few more days, but we'll bounce back by noon on Saturday, I hope. So that will do it for the game day edition of the show. Join us on Thursday when Western radio voice Robin Hook will be my guest. Until then, keep your chins up and have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network. And in partnership with SB Nation's Maize and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24 7 for your calls at 313 263 4842. That's 313 263 4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com.